Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. rain last night was there storms last night there was it was just thunder was it does anyone actually have a fear of thunder a fear of storms there's a thing there's a thing called astrophobia that's called a fear of storms my cousin had a massive fear of storms growing up and um, he's a couple of years younger than me and I wasn't the best cousin to him (laughs) <laughs> I used to lock him outside when the thunderstorms came. Don't judge me. Some of, some of you are laughing quietly. I know, I know, I know. Um, and, uh, and there are plenty of fears going on around the world. There's another fear called ophidiophobia. Ophidiophobia. Does anyone know what that is? A fear of what? Anyone? I'll give you I'll give you a clue, Garfield. Snakes. Absolutely snakes. Some people have a fear of snakes. There's uh, another fear called and uh, this is almost like praying in tongues right now, teromerhonophobia. Teromerhonophobia. That's called a fear of flying. A fear of flying. Claustrophobia, who knows what that is? Does anyone have a fear of closed spaces? Do you have that, do you, Trace? Who else has a fear of closed spaces? Really? Wow, fantastic. Wow. Wow. Acrophobia, a fear of heights. Acrobats, yeah, a fear of heights. You've got a fear of heights, have you? Wow, fear of heights. Here's here's another one. Uh, Trypanophobia. Trypanophobia. Do you know what this one is, Janet? Fear of needles. A fear of needles. Anyone have a fear of needles? You got a fear of needles? Oh, man, I used to really freak out having to go to the doctors. I used to cry before the needle came into my arm. That was last week. (laughs) I used to freak out. The only thing that sweetened the deal was when the doctor used to give me jelly beans. Do they still do that? (laughs) Do they still do that? Oh, man. Um, uh, Fear is one of those things, we've heard about it already, but it's actually an emotional response that we experience to a supposed threat. So if we feel that there is something that is going to potentially cause us harm, we have this emotional response called fear. Fear can, um, uh, with the acronym, be defined as false evidence appearing real or false expectations appearing real and there could be due reason why we have this fear response but God has created us in such a way that when we have a perceived threat some things happen inside of our brains okay so a threat is presented to us Maybe it's a fear of snakes. Maybe it's a fear of flying when you go on an aeroplane. Maybe it's a fear of heights when you climb a ladder. Maybe it's a fear of thunder. And, and this biochemical reaction takes place. So, 
in particular, there are a couple of parts of our brain that are stimulated. One part of the brain is called the amygdala. The amygdala is the parts of our brain that once presented with a threat, then has this emotional response, which is right, it then might cause us to have higher blood pressure. It might cause us to sweat a little bit more. It might cause our heart rate to go even faster. And so we have this emotional response. Have you ever had that emotional response before and you can't contain it? (laughs) But at the same time, there's another part of your brain that's stimulated. And that's the medial prefrontal cortex. So at the same time as your amygdala being stimulated, there's another part of your brain, the medial prefrontal cortex. That's the part of your brain that's the rational or the reasonable or the truthful center that is trying to filter through what you've just interpreted through your senses. So through your senses, you might touch or feel or smell or something is triggered. Your amygdala then goes into this response. It causes a physical reaction. And then at the same time, your other part of the brain is trying to say, hang on a second, it's okay, it's okay. Chill out, take a chill pill. Have you ever found yourself in that moment where you're experiencing fear, your body's reacting, and you're trying to tell yourself it's okay? And you don't know what to do. Sometimes you can get what's called a hijack. In fact, they call this the amygdala hijack, where you have a loss of control because your amygdala is hijacking your brain. And I remember having this experience a number of years ago. I was playing a a game of cards with a group of friends in a young adult ministry and church, and then I heard this knock on the door. I went to the front door. And I opened the door and there was no one there. And I thought, that's strange. And then straight from behind the corner, behind me, was someone dressed in a really scary scream mask. You know that movie Scream? Don't watch that movie, it's bad. Dressed in this long, scary scream mask. And like this. And in that moment, I went... (gasps) Now, when you're presented with fear... There are two responses that the amygdala provoke in us. It's either fight or flight. Fight or flight. I didn't know this, but I'm a fighter. I found that out in that moment. And so in that moment, he goes, and I went, and straight away, my arm involuntarily reached over toward his face. This, this actually happened. And my thumb and forefinger grabbed him in the eyes, and I was starting to push him back. And he goes, Josh, Josh, it's me. It's Ado. And I said, what? Ado, you idiot. And then at the same time, it was, I saw this fight in my brain. It was like, I don't know what's going on, but I know it's Ado, but my hand was still squeezing in his head. An amygdala hijack. What did I learn from that situation? If you're going to try and scare me, make sure we got some distance. God creates us in such a way, He wires our brain so intelligently to cause us to have concerns, cautions, even fears. There are two types of fears that some pose that babies are born with. Why? To protect us as self-preservation. 
they've done tests on infants from 6 to 14 months and they said there are two fears that people have observed in small ones. One is the fear of falling and the other one is the fear of loud noises. Both, they say, that children have to keep them safe, to keep them safe from hurting themselves, to keep them safe. But what happens thereafter in the world that we live in is really quite interesting. Um, We somehow, through experience, through environment, through teaching, through exposure, whatever it might be, we, it's like fear progresses and even for some of us overtakes us. In fact, they say that fear is the great equaliser amongst humanity, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old, whether you're male or female, whatever part of the world you're from, fear can be that one thing, whatever that fear is, that creates us to creep back, to shrink back and Marketers know this. Politicians know this. Salespeople know this. They call this fear ploitation, where to sell you a product or sell you an idea, to sell you a vote, I will find out the triggers that would bring about fear and I would squeeze it so that I can win you over. Fear ploitation. There was, um, there was a man by the name of Carl Albright who put forward what we call the feararchy. And there are five fears that he poses. Everyone comes under one or possibly more of these categories at some stage. Okay? The first one is the fear of dying or the fear of death. Some might say the fear of not existing anymore. Maybe that's you this morning. Another one is the fear of physical invasion or pain, that might be a fear of having your boundaries, physical boundaries crossed, Um, that might explain why we have a fear of bugs or creepy crawlies, because somewhere along the lines, I don't want it to hurt me, I don't want it to come on me, I don't want to invade my personal space. Another fear, he says, is a fear of a loss of autonomy, that's the feeling of like claustrophobia, or being limited, or a loss of freedom having no control, being smothered or paralyzed, restricted, even uncertain about what's coming up. The fourth one, he says, is a fear of separation. For you, that might be this, it's loneliness or abandonment, rejection, maybe the feeling of not being wanted or not having that sense of value, that's like a relational separation. The final one, he says, is of identity death, fear of being judged, humiliation, shame, worthiness, inadequacy. In fact, they connect this with public speaking. Public speaking, one of those things is that they say the most common fear in the world is to get up in front of people and talk. I used to have this fear. What if I look stupid? Now I know I'm going to look stupid, so I just don't care what you think. But a lot of the time, it's, well, I don't want to look like an idiot. right? I don't want to have shame. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be critiqued. I don't want any of that. 
And so there is a business going on of panic and paranoia. We were just talking about this coronavirus thing. What's making it worse is that we can't help but read the reports all the time. We can't help but clicking on the news or watching the news. And what is it doing? It's feeding a fear and panic and paranoia. The news media outlets love it. The, 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 um, the sellers of food and perishable items, I mean, retailers are loving it because things are walking out the door, right? Clickbait. All you've got to do is put the word coronavirus. And all of a sudden, we want to click on it. We know it's stupid, but we can't help ourselves. Shiny silver, let me go. And so just put in a virus. And it cripples the world. It cripples the world. We're not talking about the Black Plague. We're talking about a virus, and I'm, I don't want to undersell this. I've, I've, I'm concerned about vulnerable people. I'm concerned about my dad who's got emphysema. I'm concerned, particularly because of its respiratory nature. It's, it's potential to go to pneumonia, but there are many viruses that are causing this issue, but for some reason, we're feeding off one another. If the world knows that panic and paranoia is what will get our attention, certainly Satan does. And fear is one of the key tools that the enemy uses to rob you of your peace, will certainly try to. So, we wash our hands, which is really important. We, um, where's my, Face covering there, please. In Grace Life, I want you to know that we are really mindful about health and safety. So from now on, your pastor is going to preach with a face mask on. And... Um, Not just a face mask. Because the molecules can get inside my eyeballs. In Grace Life, we are very risk averse and we really care about well-being. In fact, every time there's an older call, will you help me there, Mornay, please? I, I really am going to make sure that our church is safe. See, I'm going to go through life and ministry now in a lovely, protective bubble. It is a little bit restrictive, but at least I'm safe. <laughs> Trust you to notice that, Sue. And we can go through life like this. 
we can protect ourselves. And can I say, there is just cause to act in wisdom and caution. But where's the line between wisdom and faith? Is there one? I mean, is, do we just trust God? Do we not? I want you to know as well that as a church, we believe in generosity. And so whatever your needs are here, we're here to help you. And this morning, I don't understand why everyone needs toilet paper so much. I have no idea. But I know there are groups of you here that are piling up your sheds full of this stuff. Meanwhile, other members of the community, the ones that possibly need it, are using newspapers. That's a joke. It was a joke. Well, maybe it's not. So I thought we'd have a little auction this morning. Can I start the bidding at $5? $5. Can I hear $5? There we go, sir. Do I hear another one at $5, $6? Yes, okay. Mr. Mike Sutton, over to you, my friend. Well done. Fantastic. I mean, let's, let's put this into perspective here. We're talking about toilet paper. How precious is it? Um, I was talking to Tim Wigan, who is in a Malaga congregation. He's a store manager up in a Coles supermarket. He says people are going nuts. They've now opened up the supermarkets, not at 8 o'clock, but at 7 o'clock earlier. Within five minutes, it's all gone. He said he got spat on yesterday. So they asked the question many times, why do people go for toilet paper? And a number of times, people said, well... I saw other people were getting it and I didn't want to miss out. They call that FOMO, fear of missing out. No one knows what they're going to do with all this toilet paper. But people just don't want to miss out. What, what is causing us to treat toilet rolls more valuable than gold bars? What is it? We're going cray-cray. We're going loony. Vatos locos ese. See, Satan's a liar. And what he does is he looks to exploit your fear. So whatever it is for you, it might be a fear of poverty, a fear of getting sick. It might be a fear of having no friends. The enemy knows you. He studies you. He's looking to exploit you. Why? To distract you. 2 Timothy 1.7, we've heard this already. For God has not given us a spirit of, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Sound mind. We're going crazy, but that's not the spirit we're called to be in. What if our church community cared less about us and more about the world? What if something like this virus would be used by God as a gift to show up us as a community? That is God, people, God say, I'm going to use this, kids. I want you to see what's important and where you're really at. And at the same time, I want to use this 
as a blessing vehicle for the world. Because the world is confused, the world is fearful, but we as God's people need not be. So God has given me not a spirit of fear. And so he calls for us. Thanks, my man. He calls for us to get rid of those things that are, I don't know, protecting us and limiting our freedoms and our ability to think, to put it at the feet of the cross and think, hang on a second, I don't need to think like the world because I'm a child of God. Because a spirit of fear and a fear of God are incompatible. As a series, we're exploring this, the, the fear of God. I cannot stay and abide in a place where I am fearing God and also abide in a spirit of fear at the same time. They are incompatible. So what's the great antidote? Or what's the great remedy if we're struggling with the fear of man or the fear of failure? Whatever that spirit of fear is, fear God. Fear God. But hang on a second, Joshua. Doesn't it say a perfect love casts out all fear in First John somewhere? We're not supposed to fear God. No, we are. This is a different type of fear. This is a healthy fear, one that inspires awe. Wow, God, you're incredible. You're holy. You're amazing. See, a spirit of fear causes us to be repelled away from that thing that we're fearing. But a fear of God draws us to the one that we're fearing. A different type of fear. Different. Different. A spirit of fear causes us to focus on self-preservation. But a fear of God causes us to consider God veneration. God worship of him. I can't live in both places at the same time. A spirit of fear cripples me and causes me to be worried about every detail in my life. And what, what if this happens to me? What if this happens to us? What if it... Fear of God says, oh, I'm so enamored with you. Fear of God does a number of things. It brings life. Proverbs 14, 27 says this, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the sabers of death. 19, 23 in Proverbs says that it leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied. Touched, untouched by evil. Fear of the Lord, says in Proverbs 1, 7, is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge, not just knowing stuff, that's a relational knowledge, it's knowing God personally. The Pharisees had a knowledge of God, but they didn't walk with Him, they didn't know Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says in Proverbs 9 and 10. In 15.33 it says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. Instruction in wisdom. The fear of the Lord in 8.13 of Proverbs says it's the desire to flee from sin. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
are you here and you're wrestling with sin? Are you wrestling with addiction? Are you, well, how do we get to the fear of God? What if, what if as we feared God, He changed our hearts and then we didn't want to sin anymore? Then sin wouldn't be so much of an issue. If you didn't want to sin, the reason why we sin is because we want to and we like it. That's why we do it. But what if God did something in our hearts and we didn't want to sin anymore? I remember this years ago when I was at university as an engineering student. There were these um, uh, parties all the time and there was lots of alcohol. And I would drink three to four times a week. And what happened at a certain point after coming to meet God was the smell of alcohol it made me feel gross. And I didn't want to touch this stuff anymore. See, what if God could do a work in your heart and transform your heart, give you a new heart, a soft heart, and cause you to say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pick up that cigarette anymore. I don't want to look at that internet site anymore. I don't want to speak so idly anymore. I don't want to be selfish or steal. What if the desires changed? Well, I believe a fear of God caused us to run from evil because He does something inside. Heart transformation comes before behavior modification, not the other way around. We act and live differently because we have been changed on the inside. So if you're here this morning and you struggle to be a Christian... Ask God to do a work in your heart. And by His grace, let's see what happens. The fear of God brings refuge in Proverbs 14, 26. Strong confidence and refuge, in fact. Proverbs, uh, sorry, Psalm 25, 14, in the New Living Translation. It brings friendship, it says. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, who makes known to them His covenant. Colossians 3.22 says, Serve your masters with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So there is a call here for us to live and dwell, to abide and function in a place where we are having a healthy fear of God, to not be too familiar with Him. David Jeremiah says, If we have the right and healthy fear of God, we don't have to be afraid of anything else. He also says, If we really believe God is in control... We never have to be afraid. So where does that start for us? You can't just conjure up to live in a fear of God. It starts off with getting a right vision of Him. That when we look at Him, we see Him high and lifted up. We see this in Isaiah chapter 6 and Revelation 4, I think, as well. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's not just my buddy pal. Is he my friend? Absolutely, I'm friends with him, but he is holy. He is amazing. And getting the right perspective of him shifts everything. Every time I go to Livingston in Zambia, I, I check out the Victoria Falls, the mighty Victoria Falls. It comes, it flows from the Zambezi River. And I'd heard about it, I'd seen pictures of it, I had I had even seen videos of it, but nothing was like actually being there. And, and that's what it's like with God. When, when you're trying to explain God to someone or the awesomeness of God, you've got to see Him for yourself. So when I went to Livingston, every time I go, it's like, I can't help it. I've got to go. I've got to go. My precious, let me see that place. It's 
It's the overwhelming, thunderous roar of the water hitting the canyon. It's, it's the, the rapid pace of that water flow, the torrents coming down. It's, it's the mist. They call it the cloud that thunders, the mist that goes right in the air. That from a plane, you can see it looks like clouds. Do you want to see a short video of it? This is me just a couple of years ago. Can we show this, please? Isn't that amazing? So, like Victoria Falls, I go and I'm amazed by it, but at the same time I go as close as I can to the edge, freaking Garfield out a little bit. He doesn't like getting too close to the edge. And you just want to say, whoa, this is nuts. And at the same time, you are terrified. It's like you are enamored. You're in awe. But you're terrified at the same time. The right fear of God has that same response in us. That we are in awe of Him, but at the same time, we are terrified to be away from Him. It's not just I'm terrified in His presence. He is so amazing. I don't want to be anywhere else. There are things about him I don't get. There are things about him I don't presume to know. He says things I wouldn't say. He makes decisions I disagree with at times. But he's holy, he's just, he's right, and he's good. I just got to bow the knee in my heart and go, whoa, you're amazing. And you call for me to share in that? Wow. Here are some things, even in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, he says which might cause us to scratch our head a little bit. And they're almost like ultimatums. This is what it says, Revelation 2.5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If you don't, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. That's a bit harsh, Jesus. It says to another group of Christians, therefore, repent, if not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. It's a bit harsh. To Theodora in Revelation 2.22 says, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. To Sardis, he says in 3.3, Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. What? Well, that's pretty Old Testament. That's the New Testament. To Laodicea, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. So be zealous and repent. Huh. That's gone. Don't muck around with him. To have a healthy fear. Whoa. Now these threats are different. They're not just threats where it's like, hey, you give me your money or I'm going to pound you into the ground. It's not a threat. That's a threat rooted in selfishness for me. 
This threat is different. This is a threat rooted in love. It's like a judge saying to a driver that's speeding, listen, if you don't stop speeding, you're going to lose your license. A decision that is made for the well-being of the individual and others. And so God actually functions like this and he put calls out and he says, guys, I'm warning you, stop going your way, come back, come back and enjoy me. call that a love threat his heart is not to humiliate his heart is not to manipulate his heart is not to harm that's not God his heart is for well-being for wholeness and for flourishing get the right vision of him take him out of the box don't create a God in your own image if you want to get a good idea for what God is like have a look at the book that he wrote he sounds like what he wrote so Get it, the right vision. Second thing is pay attention to what has your attention. Pay attention. What's got your attention? Every two minutes, checking, 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 checking. That's one of the things that has us at the moment. I'm a social media fan. But what I do know about social media is that it feeds our narcissistic tendencies. It, 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 it doesn't help a lot of us. It can be used for good, and that I know. We use it for good. But it can be used to mess us up. And the enemy uses things like media or relationships or what we watch on TV or what we read, whatever it is, to disciple us. Now, um, here's some interesting stats about social media. I was looking at it just a couple of weeks ago. You know, in 2019, the global average time spent on social media, which is increasing every year, is 2 hours and 23 minutes. The average person, 2 hours and 23 minutes. Younger people are a lot more on social media. Older people are often on it less. That number is growing. The world knows this. Now, think about this for a second. Don't just think about the time spent, because the time spent can be spent elsewhere. I mean, think about that every week. I mean, that's that's over 15 hours every week we're on social media. Just take a couple of hours, spend some time in His presence. Let Him change you from the inside out. Don't waste your time. Be vigilant. Pay attention to what has your attention, because what has your attention has an intention to disciple you. Be mindful, be intentional with what has and where you place your attention. I heard from Derek Prince one time say this, either the Word of God will stop you from sinning or sinning will stop you from the Word of God. So what does that say? That, That says the Word of God is so critical, so critical that, 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 that it feeds us truth into us. Well, I don't need, I just need, need truth. Truth is good. Remember, remember at the beginning, we talked about fear and what fear does. We have this response. We can get carried away sometimes. We can have this amygdala hijack and then we go t- to the part of our brain that, that's trying to teach us truth and rationality. Well, what if the Word of God feeds that part of us that says, no, 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 this is true, right? Let your feelings be subject to come under what God's authority, what His standard is. Well, I need to make sure that I'm feeding myself so that when I'm sane, I've got stuff in me so that when I'm faced with trauma or tribulation or trial, oh, hang on a second, we've already conquered this one. I'm leaning on the Word of God. So what did Jesus do when He was out in the, in, in, and He was tempted in the wilderness? When Satan came to Him and tempted Him three times, He used the Word of God. Three times. 
to overcome temptation. He had it in him. So what's in you? So get a better vision of God, second thing. Pay attention to what has your attention. And be, be intentional with where you spend your time. And consider this scripture here. I love this one. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. God says, these are the ones to whom I will look. I will look for the one who is humble and who is contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. That doesn't just think of my word as an option, but actually puts weight on what I say. Final thing is let your revelation inform your resolution. What is that? Make a decision. Make a decision to live in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And because of time, I'm just going to just finish in just a moment. It says in Psalm 2 verse 11, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve the Lord with fear and at the same time rejoice with trembling. Your version might say experience joy. So it's not that they're on opposite ends. God calls for us to have them coexist at the same time. To experience a healthy fear of God and joy at the same time time. It is not just possible, it is commanded of us. So, for some of you, you're sitting here going, man, this is heavy. This is heavy. No, it's actually easier than you think. It's as simple as this, allowing God's Spirit to show you the awesomeness and the beauty of God. And once we get that revelation... That other stuff falls off. And now I want to live in that place. Make a decision with whom you're going to serve and how you're going to serve. I don't want to just... I don't just want to function in a world where, let's say, a virus comes up. And there'll be other, there'll be other viruses not necessarily a virus, it'll be some other calamity, right? We can see the world is going upside down because we're so concerned about our health or our comfort or our economy. Look what's going on with the dollar. There are crashes everywhere. Why? What's going to happen? Because people are uncertain and they're worried. But I want to be a believer who shines the light of Jesus and the light of Christ is best seen where there's darkness. So we've got to be intentional with shining. So, family, let's not cower. That's not how we were made as God's kids. My kids, when I'm out in the playground with them, and they're scared or they're threatened by other kids, do you know what the first thing they do? They look for dad. Where's dad? And sometimes they'll get bullied a little bit. These days, they get, my girls are getting pretty tough. I'll give you that honest. Sorry if anyone's crossed their paths. But if they're ever being threatened, you know what they do, especially the younger one? Hope, she'll come up to me and she'll stand by me. She'll hold on to my leg. Why? Because she knows that her dad will take When she's threatened, her dad will take care of her. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? We have a father who's not going to leave us as orphans. This is what it says in Psalm 91, and then we're going to pray. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, I love that one. Isn't that cool? I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. God says, I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And final verse, verse 16 says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.